I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Boom, we're back. What's up, everybody? It's your coach. Welcome back to the most positive show podcast on the planet. It's your coach. Loving life. Let's get right into this thing. In today's episode, I have my man. I am so pumped about this episode for so many reasons. This is the first podcast this guy's ever done. He's a legend. He's one of the best to ever do it. And this is his first full year, full year as an official agent. He's going to dominate the first round. Straight from the heart authentic dude love the accent love the passion love everything love the authenticity in today's day and age this is the kind of agent you want a dude that's going to go to battle for you a dude that's going to tell you how it is a dude that's going to pull you aside when you don't want to get pulled aside and say listen my man you got to change if not things are going to go bad not all agents have to wear suits all the time not all agents have to look us away this guy is in this position for a reason. I am so excited for him. I'm such a fan of his. I can't wait to see this dude in 2022 just officially just blow up. He's going to be all over the place. He's going to be doing ESPN. He's going to be doing all Fox Sports. He's going to be doing all these sports. He's going to be everywhere. And I was had the fortune. I had the fortune to be the first person to ever get this guy on a podcast. So in today's episode of the Coach HP Show, look at this name, the double R. I got the double R. My man, Richard Roberts, NFL agent extraordinaire, goat in the making. I guarantee you, we're going to be talking about Richard Roberts for a real long time. Coolest guy you'll ever meet. On today's episode of the Coach HP Show, let's go. All right, three, two, one, boom. Rich, first thing I'm going to tell you, bro, we're recording, but I don't care if you got to move around, you get comfortable. That's the first rule in this is that you got to be comfortable. This isn't ABC, NBC, ESPN, okay? But a guy of your stature is going to be doing this like crazy, man, because so I've had two former agents or current agents on this show. Yes, sir. Of the three people that I think usually do this, one of the reasons why I love yours the most, because yours is the third. The The first one that I had was Robert Bailey. Okay. Real yep. cool dude, played here at Miami, now uh, 
VP at a at Rosa House Agency, which is which is a big agency. Awesome oh, yeah. stuff, right? Trajectory there. Ex player, real nice guy. Then I had Rich Kleinman, who Rich, I don't know if you know Rich's story. Rich Kleinman, no, really. he's he started in the music world, then was working with Jay-Z. Okay. Then got Kevin doing Kevin Durant came to Rock Nation. Okay. He, he was heavy partnering with Kevin Durant. Then they formed a partnership and they left Rock Nation oh. and formed 35 productions. Yes, sir. Board, boardroom style with Kevin Durant now. And that's the one you see the show, you see the boardroom with Jason Williams on ESPN and stuff like that. Yep. That's the second part. But okay. your part, I'm the most excited about. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I think, I almost know, Rich, that you're the most underestimated guy, agent, right now in the NFL by far, bro. People <laughs> see Coach, you. I, I appreciate it, Listen bro. to me, dude. People see you, and they it's going to take them a while to understand what makes you special. But the minute anybody takes the time, Rich, to invest in you, it just, it'll take 30 seconds, a minute, people are going to pick it up that quickly, man. When did you start noticing yourself, dude, that you had that specialness? Uh, you know what, Coach? I got out of the military. I was always into athletics and sports. Uh, it's crazy. Nobody looks at me now and thinks that I was a basketball player back in the day. All right, out of Mississippi, a small town in Mississippi, ended up a basketball player, went in the military, was on submarines after that for about 10 years. I got out, and I was training athletes, and I met a guy, came to me, and, and we went over what I was doing training and stuff, and he told me, uh, I think you'd be good at this business on the sports agency side, and he was doing football. And I tell you, once I went and met him and spent some time with him and saw what he did, went to one of his meetings, and I it wasn't as much about football as it was about people. Uh, it was about knowing people and understanding people. Uh, that walk of life, things they'd gone through, uh, things that their family was looking at. And in the first meeting, I met with a kid from Mississippi uh, who was a defensive back, and I was from Mississippi. I met with him. There was a bunch of people looking at him, going after him. This was 21 years ago. A lot of people talking to him, going after him. I didn't know this business from anything. And when we left the meeting, the mom and dad said, you guys are going to be our guys. And he said, what Rick brought to the table tonight was so different. And that was the first meeting I'd ever had in this business on the sports agency side. And uh, I was selling a guy who did it part time. Uh, he was an attorney, uh, but I was helping him sell this business. And I really didn't know what he brought to the table or what we brought to the table. But I knew people and, and where their heart was at, the type of people I grew up with. So when I brought that, uh, we ended up signing a guy and he ended up going on to play in the NFL. And uh, it just went from there. Uh, you know, that's when I, I realized that I found my calling, not, you know, in, not only in business, but in life that I found my calling. I love that story. Rich, we shared a, a lot of similarities, but two similarities we have is we have accents, right? My <laughs> accent is this weird regional Miami Cuban accent that I got going on. But your accent yeah. is awesome, right? <laughs> a lot of times when we're born with this stuff, we don't know how awesome it is till we get older. It almost seems like a crutch because it seems a little weird. Did you ever have that? Because to me, your accent is a huge advantage and it like makes you 
real right away because you can't bullshit people with that accent. Like it's hard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> How have you no. looked at it? Coach, uh, growing up, I, this was me. Like this was me. And, and I, I guess what I was around and when people I'm around people, they always say, where are you from? That's the first thing I hear. Where are you right. from? They're not sure if it's like Louisiana, Texas. They know it's something in the South, but they know, okay, at the top of the, the top of the way he talks, uh, a lot of the people I deal with in sports and business don't look like me. All right. But the ones that I'm talking to realize he probably grew up with somebody like me. All right. right. When they talk to me and they realize that, and that's before they meet my wife or they, they see my sons or whatever, they think, all right, he probably a little different. He's probably a little different. And, uh, you know, I think that was one of the things yesterday I stopped at a store and it's funny you say that I'm, I'm getting a pack of gum and a drink for the road. And the lady says, where are you from? Like, where are you from? And she was like, your swag's a little different. And I started <laughs> laughing because I, it, you bring that up today, but I think that was, that's a little different, man. I, I came from a single mom who worked at a job force center. And uh, every day she was at she was at work from four o'clock in the evening till midnight. And when school got out, uh, I was the kid that went across the street to the job for uh, nobody in that gym looked like me. And I went to the gym and played basketball every day from four o'clock till they turned the lights off in the gym. And uh, and that was my group every evening. That was that was who I was with every day. And those guys treated me. They probably treated me better than anybody. I mean, I was family when I walked in the gym. I was Miss Roberts's son. But I was that guy, and uh, to them, I was their boy. Like that nice. was it. And I'm, I'm 11, 12 years old, getting off the, you know, getting off the school bus, walking across to a job course center and playing with guys who are, you know, what, 15, uh, 15 to 18, 19 years old, uh, who had dropped out of school or whatever. And that was the group I was around every day. And I realized because of the things they've been through in life, they didn't have a lot of opportunities. Uh, some of them had different situations, but they were there doing stuff every day and trying to, you know, getting better at what they do. And they were just that. Yeah, I guess they helped raise me. You know, a lot of them helped raise me at the same time. I love that, Rich. Rich, so that's something we have different, right? Your father, any whereabouts with him? Is he still alive? Did he leave early? Uh, what was the story there? It's crazy, man. Uh, my dad passed when I was five years old. And so I never really knew him. And uh, my mom, like I said, my mom, we grew up in a small town in Mississippi where my whole neighborhood was white uh, in that neighborhood I was in. Uh, the job course center that I went, every, went to every day, there wasn't many white people there. And, uh, and so I had both worlds. Like I grew up in both of them. Uh, my mom's best friend was a black lady in our town, uh, Miss B, who was like, she was there for us all the time. She was around. So I think I never really realized color on that that part of it. So uh, as I grew up in athletics and sports, uh, I think that's one of the things that helped, you know, helped me in life. It really has. Did you feel, Rich, growing up, any disadvantage of not having a dad? Did you miss that? Were you like, man, it's cool? Or were you like, dude, I don't even want that headache? How did you figure that out? Coach, uh, of course I did, man. The guys that, you know, when, when we went to the bleachers and the mom and dad were in the bleachers at every game or whatever, my mom was at work and my dad was, I didn't have, he wasn't there. So uh, those people weren't in, weren't there. They weren't, you know, able to support in that way. My mom supported financially as she could, but that's not the, not what I was brought up with. You know, most of the guys in my business that I run into in the agency world, uh, most agents uh, seems to me like, 
you know, and this ain't, you know, stereotyping or whatever. Most of them look like they come from a, a double, you know, two, two parent family and went the college route and, and got through. And then they decided, do I want to be an attorney over here? Or, you know, hey, I'm going to get into sports. Yeah, or, typical or attorney, typical attorney looks, that's typical attorney looks. You know, that's definitely not the route I went. And I think that's what, you know, it's one of the things I think that hopefully makes me different. I, I think so too. My story, Rich, is the completely reverse, man. My dad, youngest of 15, prepared me for everything in life except to deal with him. I was with this dude stuck 24-7 growing up. Huge advantages to that. The biggest disadvantage was he was beating the shit out of me regularly when I would fail. Um, the biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball by far. So when this dude who would manage me and was with me 24-7, he built an immense work ethic in me, but where he struggled was he didn't appreciate how hard it was, what we were trying to accomplish and what I was trying to accomplish because he never played. And as I look at it now, I always, I always empathize with the people that their parents were divorced or, or they didn't have their dad around because to me, that was just such a relief. And the, and I, and the poor guy, he worked for Pepsi, blue collar for 30 years, stacking shelves and doing stuff like that. And every time I see that Pepsi car home, I'm like, damn, this sucks. <laughs> I was like, this thing sucks, bro. Man. So I empathize with guys like in your thing, because you're like, man, if I would have had that, but yep. the biggest thing that's helping winners today, Rich, that I've noticed is adversity. How you deal with that. Yeah. You know, know you had that real early and something inside you, bro, just like said, you know what, this is it. I'm going to make it. Where did you get that from? Who taught you that? Uh, you know what? I, I think that um, my mom, you know, being around mom, seeing her, my mom had, uh, she had colon cancer and uh, I was 12 years old driving her back from a hospital in Jackson, Mississippi from her treatments. And I'm 12, literally driving the car on the highway when my mom's sick in the passenger seat. Uh, with colon cancer and going through that. And she lived till I was 16. I think she hung on long enough. Uh, she fought it every day, man, to, to make sure that I got to a point in life where she felt like he gets it, like he gets it. And, and I went through that. I didn't really find my, you know, I knew that I, a lot of the kids in my town that grew up that had stuff, their names was on the, the, the drugstore or that type of thing. And I knew my mom went to work every day colon cancer was in major you know, hurt and pain and everything, but she knew she had to go and make the money for us to be able to survive and, and for her to be able to take care of me. So I think that was, man, it was a drive on a different level I saw from her. Dude, I mean, that, that's special, man. The military, was it hard? Did you, did you overcome it? Did, it? did it become easy? Did it suck? Talk to me about that. Uh, it's, it's crazy. I, I went in the military because... Uh, when my mom passed, there really wasn't anybody in our town or anything. We have family in other parts and stuff, and, and they kind of do their thing. Their kids had college funds. Uh, their kids had stuff set up for them, and uh, where I was at in life, I didn't have that. So there was no college fund. There no, was nobody. I was a really good basketball player. Uh, at one time, um, at one time in Mississippi, I was the leading scorer in the state of Mississippi, like in 1985, 86. What position, Rich? What position? I, uh, I guess they could call me a shooting guard because all I did was shoot. So, uh, <laughs> you know, high school coach Bill McGuire, uh, Coach McGuire still laughs at me today on social media because my son, uh, Money, my 12-year-old, 
he can light it up. But the first thing I taught him was to play defense. All right. I'm like, you got to play defense. Gotta my play coach defense. Me. Uh, the team, the schools that would come and look at me in basketball and stuff would always realize, uh, man, Rick don't play any D. All right. So, uh, you know, I was, I was filling it up. So I went for 52 in a high school game one time and wow. really thought, man, I'm going to be the next Larry Bird. And I, <laughs> I grew to about six foot in the sixth grade or seventh grade and didn't grow anymore. So uh, it's one of those things, bro. But, but I, I, you know, I think that that was just, you know, uh, coming up, I think that was the big thing that I just saw, you know, I realized that I wanted to do something in sports. Here's the specialness of life. And let's, let's talk about your, your kids. You call your kid money. Is that what you call him? <laughs> I do, man. I got a 12 year old that if you see him on my social media and stuff, good looking kid, dude, that kid's hey, going to be, he's going to crush man, it, bro. Bro, You can't tell him nothing, man. He tells me all the time. He says, dad, uh, man, these people just ring me like they don't know who I am. Uh, no, they, it's uh, it's crazy because money told me uh, one day a few years ago I woke up and he was on the phone with my financial advisor at about uh, you know one of the one of the financial advisors about eight a.m. and he's talking to him. Uh, he's talking to him and and we're uh, talking to him about a you know this thing that he saw that he thought was a great investment and he's ten. Okay. <laughs> That's the, you know, we've called him money since he was born because he always wanted to have money and be able to count it and know what he had. And he realized at an early age that that money bought stuff, that it made, you know, it was things they say it don't make you happy, but have you ever been without it? Oh, right? yeah. Like, let me, a, let me ask you a question because you work obviously with young kids. That people don't understand how much that helps with your own kids because it, it keeps you young and relatable. And I think that's one of the most important things, Rich, that you have in your job is that you're not this guy that's old school. That's like, even though you have old school values and you have old school principles, but you don't criticize the new school, which is very easy for older people, especially older athletes to do. Like, I wasn't this hard back then. Like you really appreciate that, man. Do you notice that translating too with your son? Uh, very much so. Very much so. Uh, talking, I realized not too long ago, man. Uh, me and Money were on a jet, and we we're flying somewhere. With one of my one of my NFL players, and we're on the private uh, James's jet, and we're flying. And I'm sitting there talking to my player, and then I realized as I started doing something on my phone, my player and my son were talking, and how much they had to talk about was incredible, like incredible. And he's 12, but I noticed with the social media and the TikToks and uh, all the stuff nowadays, uh, there's so much communication that they do that they're interested in a lot of the same things. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I look at, and I stay busy and work 24-7, but I realize that these guys, so many of them at that age and going in, uh, a lot of the stuff that they're interested in, you know, I see it every day. I'm right. around I, I do see it. I, yeah, it's funny. One of the guys that works with me, Chris, and you seen him on my social media. Uh, Chris is like he's into air clothes and uh, shoes and and everything that's like the new trend. So when we teach them to not blow your money, but we also know what's popular at the same time. So guys are going to do a certain amount. We help them with that, but it is a generational thing there that I think still cool, man. It's huge. It's huge because. What what year did you graduate high school? 86. 86. So I'm 97. So I mean, you have 11 years on me. You look super young, bro. So that's that's a plus. <laughs> but they don't talk about that kind of thing 
And that to me is, is something that's, that's huge. So I noticed with your son, mixed couple, because he has a tan, he's a good looking dude, but he has his dark skin, right? Yeah, he is, man. He is. My my wife is actually she's black. She she was in Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, she's American from black. American black. Yeah, American black. Uh, her dad was a principal in high school. Her mom was a is a retired school teacher. Uh, you know, I showed up at the house and and he's on the piano. First time I ever met him, he was on the piano. Uh, he's sitting there playing the piano and the family singing Christmas carols. And I thought, man, this is completely different from the way I grew up, bro. It looked like the Huxtables when I walked in. I was like. Wow, like yeah, this family's like perfect. Like, nice. you know, it was really neat because uh her dad is is older, he's close to 80. And me being Caucasian, a little older, I'm a little bit older than my wife is, a good bit. Uh the first time he stood and talked to me, uh Mr. Hayes' biggest thing was it's nothing to do with the color of your skin. Uh take care of my daughter. And throughout the years, me and him has developed a relationship on a whole nother level, man, a respect level. This job. I've been, we've been together 15 years and wow. that, that, that respect level is different, man. Where'd you guys meet? Uh, one of our players was coming into town and it's so weird how people's relationship, mine and yours, we'll talk about that later too. Yeah. But the way people meet in life, you just never know. Uh, one of my football players was coming into town. Uh, I looked around for a hotel. The one I always used didn't wasn't available, uh, so I called around. The only one I found was the was this one out on the highway. So I went out to it. I begged for a room because every room was booked to where we were at, and she ended up finding one on a cancellation that she had. She was the night manager at the hotel. Wow. Was uh, was at uh, Louisiana Monroe. She was dancing there at the college for the the war bonnets and uh i stood at the counter for about three hours waiting on my player to show up he was supposed to have been there a long time ago it took him three hours so to this day I, I i tell him all the time man i appreciate him not being prompt that night because you know that's how that's how i end up married and end up with money dude that is that is awesome man how many kids do you have i have three i have three i have an older son from when i was in the military uh, he's, uh, he's in law school. I have a middle son, uh, who's, uh, MMA is in the MMA fighting and, and he's in college right now. No then, way, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, man. I tell him all the time. He was way too pretty for that, but, uh, but he was tough, man. He's tough as could be. And, and that's what he wants to do. So he's in the MMA and then, you know, and then I got money, the 12 year old. Dude, I'm very good friends with, uh, do you know Jorge Masvidal? I know of him. Don't know, know him. Yeah. So I'm very good friends with Paulino Hernandez, his strike coach. Okay. And yep. uh, Gallo, his trainer, like athletic trainer to doing stuff. So, yep. buddy, yep. if he needs any help, uh, MMA, you let me no. know. We'll, we'll yeah. take care of him here in Miami, buddy. No, definitely, definitely, brother. How do you, as a parent, obviously money's lucky because he's getting the third version of you as a dad. Yeah. So the, all the mistakes or the things you fix, you wanted to fix from the first one, right? How are you different, Rich? I don't have that luxury you have, bro. I have a three-year-old and a <laughs> one-year-old, right? A girl and a boy. So we're they're literally there. But how different are you from the first kid to now with money at the end? Well, I'm going to tell you this, Coach. Uh, the 12-year-old money gets a much more relaxed, chill Rick than what... Uh, my oldest son got, my oldest son got the, I didn't know what I was doing. 
And, and I really thought that, you know, the discipline and the, the making sure everything, and if you messed up, man, we was, you know, we were tripping, we was on him, we was whatever. And with money, I realized some of those things were on him tough, uh, you know, spare the rise for the child type thing. But at the same time, uh, we're, we're also at the point with my wife, she's a little younger than me, but I'm like, that's not a big deal. Like that's a life lesson for him to learn. Uh, money's that kid that I never had to put hands on money because, and uh, if I sit down with money and I talk to him, let him know how he disappointed dad today. Uh, you hurt me uh, more than, than angered me. And we go through it. He fixes it. He takes he, care of it. Uh, dude, and, isn't that crazy? Man, I normally don't hit that again with him. Like I normally don't have that issue again with him because he catches on to it, man. Me and money had this thing in the morning where uh, I believe that first step in the morning is, for one, we're all blessed, man, to wake up. But that first step in the morning, Coach, to get out that bed and get your life started, if you take that first step positive, I'm going to be the best today at everything I do. Uh, man, I preach that to money every morning. Money, when we wake up, man, a lot of times my 12-year-old will come jump in the bed or something that before I wake up, and he's there when we wake up, man. I wake up and I shake money and say, hey, man, let's take that first step, bro. And this morning we had that same talk because he looked a little a little tired, a little whatever. I said, right. we take that step together, bro. We got today accomplished. And, uh, and, and we got out of bed, and when I dropped him off at school this morning, uh, he just had that look to him, man, like I'm fixing to go ahead and do my thing. Dude, so, yeah. I, I love that you said so. I get, Rich, I get about 1,500 DMs a week. People calling me, Rick, about everything, every spectrum, every parent you could imagine, right? Suicide, drugs, a bunch of stuff. But recently, I got a, a dude, great guy, great father, man, reach out to me that his boys are having the same thing with their kids. And their kids are about senior in high school. They got girlfriends, they got little jobs, and they're like, dude, Hector, my, I have no relationship with my son anymore. They don't want to hang out with me. They don't want to do anything. And I'm like, I don't know how to talk to this guy anymore. Like, this this thing sucks, you know? And yeah. I go, I go, well, listen. He goes, what should I do, man? And he thinks I should do, like, a whole speech on this and so stuff like that. I go, bro, I go, that's my whole existence, man, because I'm pretty much talking to two versions of myself. When I do this show, I'm talking to two versions of myself. A- the what it pertains to you right now is I'm talking to the 20 year old version of myself that didn't know what to do and didn't have social media. And my passion wasn't to become something very generic that everybody does. So that's why I have a guy like you on that just made it on his own. Right. So that's number one. And number two, I talked to the 10 year old version of myself that hopes that my dad would listen to me. Okay. And what oh, yes. What you said, Rick, was so important because I told this dude like this. I go, my man, here's the first thing you got to do. Call your son up and go, hey, bro, what are you doing? Cool. Listen, my man, when you come home, me and you got to talk. I go literally talk to him like that. Talk to him like he's your fucking boy. That's it. A hundred percent. And you know what he told me, Rick? which was super interesting with what you said to your son. He goes, Hector, I can't believe I even forgot how to talk to my son because you put that, oh, I got to be the disciplinary guy and I got to be this bro. and I got to be that. Oh, that's, that's tough because the relationship me and money have, uh, now I think it's so much, I can talk to my dad about everything 
So as he's going through life and puberty is hitting and these other things are starting to kick in, bro, when I tell you money comes to me about everything, everything, sometimes like I have to, like, I, I have to do that count in my head. One, two, three. Like I have to think of what I'm going to say before I just come out and say it because some of it's uncomfortable. Uh, some of it can be uncomfortable where, where a 12 year old's mind's at. Uh, they're different than we were at 12. Uh, they're different, man, uh, because of TV and the things that are around, the things they see. And this generation moves fast. Like, they move fast. <laughs> Super. Just, man, man, if I had a daughter, like, I'm uncomfortable with my son. If I had a daughter, bro, I think, man, that whole Will Smith thing on Bad Boys, that would be a different level with me because the way kids' minds move nowadays at 12, you have to be involved with your child's life. You better be involved. You, because You said it, dude. You don't want that, that their friends controlling where their mind's at. And man, I checked money. Me and money's had the sex talk. We've had the, the condom talk. We've had the every talk in the world at 12. He knows uh, this thing is something that's going, that is special. I don't want money to think that that's just something you do because you reach a certain age. When money asked me, Daddy, what age would be the first time I had sex? Whoa, wait a minute. Time out. Like I have to really take a thought on how do you answer that? Right. And we have to talk about um, love and respecting women and doing things the right way because, you know, look at your mom. You know, look at the, the people that you think of that you love, your, your cousin Nyla. How would you want boys to look at her? Uh, those type of things that can be – because with kids nowadays, uh, being cool is probably more important than being a good person. And, that, and Rick, Rick, that's been through history, man. Because we've, never, it, 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 we've it, it, never prepared it. We've – we we go to high school, right? And I I spoke. There's a there's a there's a high school here that has now all of a sudden done real well in football yeah. called Columbus. And have you heard about it here in Miami? Yeah, I have. Oh, for yeah. sure. So I I speak or I I speak there all the time, dude. And I spoke in front of the entire class, the, the sophomore class and the freshman class. Uh, and what I told them was. I go, man, we should eliminate algebra. Nobody uses algebra. Nobody uses calculus unless you're going that world. And let's talk about guys being vulnerable. Let's talk about our emotions. Let's talk about what to do when you're put in pressure situations. How to ask questions. Rick, we don't know how to communicate, man. man. As homies, I don't know. If I mess up, right? If you wanted me to go to your party and yep. I was tired and I don't show up, Rick, okay? there's no way unless you really care for you to hit me back without starting a fight that I don't care about you. It's the, just the craziest that's thing. That's the mentality, dude. bro. That's the mentality nowadays, coach. It is like, that's really mentality. So uh, I try to explain to my son all the time that being a good person and being cool, you can be the same. And that's a special person. If we can add the intelligence, the being a good person, the being cool, and all that's in one, now you got something. Uh, JT Barrett, quarterback from Ohio State. Uh, JT is one, one of my players, one of my athletes, but also probably one of the best friends I'll ever have. Like, that's my guy. Uh, his mom and dad are both um, retired military, and people think of JT. JT went in football as a you know, quarterback that came out of Ohio State, and he's had an injury and had some things, and football hasn't gone exactly that way, but I'm gonna tell you what's gonna go right and and for JT Barrett, life is gonna go right for JT Barrett. Uh, JT does things the right way. JT tore his Achilles tendon uh, working out, and I was in the gym one day, and coach, I watched the way. 
he went through adversity there. Uh, just I watched him and I deal with him every day and I see his the things he goes through on on just in life. Uh, he came and lived with me. He's living with me and my my wife and my son with money right now. Nice. Because uh, you know, he I felt there was no better place in the world for him to be to rehab than with me. And you know, and my you know, my wife's good with that. She's like, it's JT, that's family. But I realized, man, when I wake up in the morning and my son's sitting on the couch in the living room before he goes to school with the only three-time captain in Ohio State University history, who's one of the best people I've ever met, and he's sitting on the couch talking to him about life, not just sports before he goes. I'm like, I tell money all the time, bro, you're blessed on another level. Like, that's somebody you look at in life. After football's over, JT Barrett will be the best agent to ever do this business when football's over. He's going to be an agent. I don't care what I have to do. JT Barrett's going to be an agent in football, and he's going to work with me till I retire right. because he's a different cat, bro. He's a different guy. I see his his uh, you know the the level, the different levels of him spiritually, his motivation, his work ethic. These things are different, man. I love it. So I just you know gave my boy JT a shout out without meaning to, but no, that's my- we got to do it. Yeah, of course, dude. The- so, but but I do see those influences, dude. You. One thing I try to do all the time, man, is I try to put people on as much as possible. And I try to, in my age, where I've seen, I've seen both sides of it. I've been around when there was a, a beeper and I was young enough to, I didn't have one till I got a, like a, I think it was a senior or, or freshman in college, but I saw that era. And obviously I'm, I'm around in this era now. Right. And the difference with now is I've I've had two individuals, both of them I've had on this show. Both of them have gotten a lot of attention, a lot of success. One went this way. The other one went the other way, right? Both around, literally around almost the same thing. You know who Logan Paul is? Oh, yeah. No, definitely. So, so I've had Logan on the show. Right before I, I, I spoke with him, there was a dude talking to him. Good looking dude, super prepared, put together. It was for the first fight that his brother was fighting here in Miami okay. with the zone. And this dude actually put on a suit and he had his boy hold the camera. He created a fake the zone jacket and he interviewed Logan as a zone reporter at the beginning. And then he came clean and said, listen, I'm not, I'm not a zone guy, but he was so good. And I saw a lot of talent in him. Just a couple things. And he, he approached Logan for a job. And Logan kind of was interested and, and talked to the guy, talked to the guy. And I noticed the guy wasn't too prepared to, if Logan would have said yes. And I tried to, to work on that. And I spoke to the kid after. At the time, the kid had 1,300 subscribers on YouTube. Nowadays, the guy has almost 3 million. Okay? <laughs> Love he's it, bro. he's Love a it. monster. And ironically enough, he doesn't need these people anymore. He just, he's a, he's a beast at his talent, right? But I yep. saw that. And then I had another dude who, same thing, went up to Logan at the last fight that he had with Woodley, not the second one, not the last one. Yeah. yeah. And literally did the worst he could. Like, just got stuttered, got stuck, said, pretty much told Logan, look, man, I'm a loser. Like, in the rules, he started crying, like, in a real serious way, like, all these things. But he recorded it on TikTok. Yeah. And he yep. get the reaction and that got him 15 million views. Um, wow. So he blew up too. And I tried to guide him and dude, this is what I think you should do. 
And the reason why I'm bringing this up is right now with social media, it is almost celebrated whether you win or whether you lose. As long as you're honest about it and you, after you do that, you try to follow a step, right? Exactly. It gets you somewhere. I noticed, I saw one of your posts where you had people come in and talk and stuff. How do you guys deal with that? How do you deal with the social media stuff? How do you talk about that with your players? Uh, as far as going over uh, social media with the players or are there? Yeah, how- like, like, like traps to stay away from, how to be careful with, with the perception of yourself, like take it easy right now because in the, in the baseball world, what I've noticed is with baseball players yeah. that it's almost, uh, it's not worth it for them. Like they do very generic, like, like, Man. like bullshit posts, whatever, because they don't want to get in trouble because they're making so much money that God yep. forbid something rocks the boat. That that's it. You know? So that's how they look at it. I tell you right now. Uh, so much of it is uh, if you're going to make a post on your social media with one of the players, really thinking, uh, really put thought into it because uh, they have to realize uh, who they are and what they're going to say can, it can, uh, man, it, it can really affect your paycheck. It can affect your life. It can affect everything. So when you go out on it, make sure that's what your stance is. Okay. Make sure that's what your stance is. Uh, when you go into it, uh, think it over, man, think it over. Uh, when you make a post or you put something on there, I got a guy who I had a player one time who was uh, making posts on there. And a lot of it was, you know, these different memes and stuff. And it was, you know, it was sexual. It was something else. And I saw it and uh, somebody brought it to my attention. And I called him because I said, Hey, if I'm a, a guy on a, a team, if I'm an NFL team and I go to look at your social media, I, I'm going to want to know about this person as a person, what type of person you are. So you're putting that out there. And I know the guy and that's really not who he is. So when I wanted to check it, because that's not who he is, but he thought it was funny and cool. Uh, when you put that out, you're putting out a perception to people of who you are. Okay. And a lot of times on social media, one post of the wrong thing can really put out the wrong, uh, the wrong uh, message of what you're trying to put out there. You know, 100%. If I'm today in a joke about something uh, that, that thought was funny or whatever, and to a group of people to whatever, it's not funny. Now, I've really just put myself in a situation. You know what? I represent players of every color, of every national. You know, we've got, we've got so many different guys. Uh, what's, you know, to me and him, and, and we're personally around each other, to me and any of the players, what you put out there in the public, they don't know you. They don't know you as a person. So they don't know your joke. They don't know what's going on. They don't know who you are. So, what, you know, you have to. And we've got people that look over every post, man. Right. I mean, everything. Girl, you know, uh, people nowadays with Instagram and they come after you in your DMs and they do this with these athletes. Uh, man, so much of it's for the, the wrong reason. Uh, all that, you know, so much of it. If a girl that that looks too good to be true or, or a message that comes across in your DMs is too good to be true or something that's out there, man, it's a, it's a trap. Like we, we got to have that con- rich. We got Rick. We got to have that conversation. That's the problem. We're not having that conversation uh, of got to, got when, to. when, I spoke at one of my first, it was ironic, my first speaking thing outside Miami, I was speaking at UM, and the Oregon State coach reached out to me. And Oregon State had just won the title, and they had won, in the decade, they won three titles in baseball. 
Oregon, the Beavers. And I had no idea. I was like, wow, I didn't know these guys were, were that good. And when I spoke at that school, a couple of things that I said was, I said, number one, if winning a national championship in college is the highlight of your life, you're going to be a loser when you grow up. That's the first thing I said, right? Oh. Second thing I said is, you guys, even though we're trained as dudes, that the minute we do something with a hot chick or whatever, that the first thing we got to do is show off to our boys. Oh, look at this. Look at that. You know? And I said, nowadays, be super careful who you record, who you take pictures with. What do you do? Because A, first of all, you don't know whose daughter that is, sister, friend, whatever. That's number one. Number two, you don't know who you're showing it to ends up being your competition. And that guy puts you in a bad situation, whatever, because what happens, the reason why I'm so overprotective with athletes is because athletes, people don't do what you're doing to that player that's staying with you right now. People don't do that. They treat us like greyhounds. Like pretty much oh, we run, God. we run the race and then they throw us out. That's it. And, and we're done. Right. Man. The, the difference is if you're a rapper, if you're an actor and you're a little bit out there and you say crazy stuff or whatever, nobody cares. It was like, whatever. Cool. They'll still come see you perform. They'll still go to your movies, whatever. But if you're an athlete and you say something crazy immediately, you got to cut them. You got to do this. You got to do that. Your whole career could be over. Your whole career, something you've worked at, uh, peewee football from the time you were four all the way up to where you're at today, your whole career could be over off of one post, uh, one acquisition, uh, acquisition against you, any of that. I had a girl one night uh, come to the table, one of my players, we're all at dinner, and a guy who was a friend of ours sat down at the table, and uh, the girl he brought with her, nobody realized she was an Instagram. She had a bunch of Instagram followers and everything, and she had the jersey number on of our player. She had his jersey on. So we're at the table. She asked if she could take a picture with our player. Well, me sitting there, I'm like, man, it's not a good idea. Uh, you know, let's just, let's, let's chill. Our player's super popular. I've got a lot going on. We need to pace ourselves. Uh, the player decides to take a picture with him. She takes a picture with him, standing there. She's got his jersey on, hugging him stuff, takes a picture, smiling and stuff. She goes back to her house that night. She puts on panties in the same jersey and takes another picture. She makes a social media post with both pictures and said, had a great night with my favorite player. She's in panties and a shirt. The post comes across, and instantly you think, bang, there he went. So he calls me. He's like, man, can you believe I – we put ourselves in that situation. You can never control those situations completely, but you need to think over the things going on. Where the mistake was made was it's not that you that we took a picture with someone in a jersey. Uh, it was that the situation he was put in made it look so personal that because of who she was, she used it and picked up a million, you know, so many followers the next day and all right. of this. Right. So man. So many games out there and stuff that can be ran on you that you just have to really put yourself in the situation of, uh, man, think it over, make the right move. Uh, you know, the, the, you know, everything going on today, man, we try to protect them the best we can because what we forget is, uh, man, these guys are 20, they're 21, 22, babies, bro. They're 20. babies. Give me $6 million when I was 20 years old, coach. We wouldn't probably, we wouldn't be here talking right now. I know that life probably it's hard. Wouldn't. It wouldn't have been in a good way. 
So when I tell these guys, everybody comes in to sign the player and all these agents and the financial, everybody comes in and everybody's got this used car salesman's pitch and they're all trying to do it. And the, the fact about this is that, man, in life about uh, 85% of these guys are so like over 80% are broke, like within four years after getting out of football. That's sad. That's sad. And everybody says, uh, you know, oh, whether well, you know, they do this, they do that. And if your player is doing the wrong thing and you're not getting that message across to him, you have to use every avenue possible to get across to that athlete, that young man, or you're not doing what you're supposed to do as a person, as his manager, as his agents, whatever. Man, I, I've had players I had to go to the house with their daddy and thought I was going to get fired because I tried two or three times to get them to remove people out of their circle and do this. And I know I'm getting a call and somebody's smoking at the condo and they're doing this. And my player don't do that. Right. But boys are. So when I fly there with the dad to go into that situation, to take care of it, I tell the dad before I show up, I'm getting fired today. You do know that, right? Like I'm getting fired. Like he's going to fire me after this. And the dad's like, well, Rick, I promise you this. I'm gonna, uh, me and him will fight. If, if that comes down to that point, because other than, our immediate family, you're the only person we ever met that truly has his back. Dude, so I, I love that you said that. I love that you said because so, so, so coach, we show up and, and we remove the situation. Daddy gets them all out. The kids oh, yeah? are different. Uh, he's been successful in life, but that circle was fixing to get him in trouble. I had an old football coach tell me, if you don't, if you want to see how successful someone's gonna be, look at the circle they hang around, the people in their circle. Because normally if that's your true circle and you're around them all the time, uh, either you're going to bring them up or they're going to bring you down. Like you've got to, you know, you got to make sure that they don't stay where they're at. If that's your circle, you know, it. like uh, we, we try to help each other. So. I love that dude. I, so I get put in difficult situations like that all the time, but obviously it's not like a career of a kid or something because I get, Obviously, to, to have special help as a, as a parent, you got to have money to hire the right people because nobody's going to do anything for, for the cause. They're, or in my sure. world, not, I'm not an agent. Oh, like sure. in my world, like if somebody says, look, I want you to work with my son, unless it's somebody that I know, unless you tell me, listen, money has a problem or something like that. It's because it's your time. You got to invest in that, whatever. Okay. And I get, I get hired by a lot of extremely wealthy people. And... I'm forced with a very difficult decision of two weeks ago, there's a kid that I'm working with that's 11 years old that it took me 20 minutes to get him out of the car to go to a, a golf group lesson. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And when I tell the dad, he goes, how do you do it? Listen, this is, this is what's going on, just so you know. He's like, that's why I got you on, because you're the best, you know? But wow. it is real hard to, to say things like that and be put in a position like that because you have to be super confident in what you believe in. Were you always like that as an agent starting up? Were you always like, listen, if I don't like this, I'm going to make this choice and fuck it. <laughs> Coach, I'll never forget, man. I, I pulled up one time with a player and I pick him up. And we're getting ready to go out to a club that night. And it was a club where we needed money and, uh, and, and to give it away when we got there. And, and I'm pulling up with him and, you know, I'm young in this business. I'm fresh. Didn't know the business at all. I was one of my NFL guys, and I, I pull in there to pick him up, and I start to – he said, man, let's grab some money to go to the club. I said, all right, cool. So I pull up to the ATM, and 
two of the other veterans in the car and him just bust out laughing. And they said, man, uh, we can't spend the type of money we're going to spend from ATM. Right. Wow. <laughs> oh, like, wait a minute. It's a different world than what I'm living. All right. Like, hold up. So, you know, they take out thousands of dollars to go to the club and, and do this that night. And, uh, and the player that I had who did that, I uh, went through a lot of money, a lot of money while I was young and I watched him and I saw him do it. And while I was in that, I thought this is normal. Like, this is what they do. And he played like three contracts and, you know, he was on his later in his career when I met him and I got on with this agent and I saw the money he had blown. He never had a financial advisor. And he always said, I'm a grown ass man. I can handle my own money. I can do this. Well, after he got out of football, he's broke and he lost everything he ever had. And wow. he made millions of dollars. He never had a penny and he got out of football and he was broke. And I saw him not too long ago and he was sleeping on his sister's couch uh, and he, in section eight and, and, uh, everything. And I go and talk to him and I meet with him. I spend some time with him. We go out, and I'm, uh, actually have him working for me now and doing some stuff with me to help him get back on his feet in life. Because the young Rick, the young Rick, uh, didn't know, didn't thought this is normal. And right. I realize now, man, that guy was a great guy. He was a good person. It's just, he was allowed to do those things because, uh, the agent, uh, did was afraid to get fired and didn't want to grab him and tell him, no, you can't do this shit. This don't make any sense. Uh, right. You're going to money that would last you for, for a lifetime, for generations. And the agent didn't want to get fired in the fin- you know, and he wouldn't hire a financial guy and that type of thing. Rick now, uh, the Rick now is not doing that. Uh, the Rick now, uh, me, him, whoever he's attached to, whether it's his uncle, brother, cousin, somebody in his life help him get to where he's at today. And that's the person I need to stay attached to. Uh, the person who truly has his back, who has his heart, who's, who's his go-to. If you're sitting in your bed and it's your last minutes, uh, the person you want to say thank you to, that's the person I need to talk to uh, for him. I need to know that person who's in his life because when he gets to that point of not making the good decision and I see it, uh, the first time I try to fix it, the second time I talked to him, we got, but I'm bringing that person in because if we can't fix it together, that guy's never going to make it, bro. He's never going to make it. I completely agree. Rick, your job now, how long have you been an agent for? Uh, well, I've only been an agent this year, like the actual agent part. Uh, I passed the test this year before I was client relations for an agency for 18 years uh, out of Louisiana where I was just the uh, relationship person with them. I was the guy that had the relationship, that learned the players, that did everything, uh, that was there with them. And and the agency I was with, the agent I was with, uh, he was going to be the agent. He wanted to be the agent. He wanted to do these things. and He wanted to have his name on it. And honestly, I've always been that guy that if our team wins, yeah. I really don't it's the credit. Like right. I honestly, God, do not care if I got the credit for it or not. I made a good living, and I, I went from you know sleeping in my car uh, when I was younger to to you know not having anybody there after mom passed and all these things. To I'm living on a golf course in Louisiana uh, with a new house, and I, I come from nowhere to some to there. You know, when I first, I never forget, man. When I first took this job with the guy, uh, like I said, he promised me a, a salary. And, uh, you know, he told me I was going to have a salary and I was going to have somewhere to, he's going to put me up and have somewhere to stay. And I was going to have a, a company car and I show up and the, he, he tells me to follow him. And I have my girlfriend at the time follow me and I'm in my car and I give her the keys and tell her she can have this car because 
I'm going to work at this agency and I'm fixing to be this agent. I'm going to do all this <laughs> stuff. But man, I'm ready. And uh, he has me and her following to a Motel 6. And I get out of the car and meet him and he hands me a door key to the Motel 6. And there's a work Jeep, uh, hunting Jeep, a Suzuki sidekick. I'll never forget it. In the parking <laughs> lot that was rusty and the radiator was leaking. And he hands me the keys to it. And I was making $200 a week is what he oh put me on salary God. at. Okay? Wow. And, I left a, and I left a job where I was making good money and stuff to come over there because I wanted, I, I figured like, man, I want to be an agent. Like I want to be an agent in football or sports. And I, I felt like there was a calling there. So I never asked uh, what I was getting, uh, what I, you know, I just sour in a car and a place to stay, man, I'm a roll. And when I went there and I got that, at first it was kind of like, man, what in the world? But then I realized he just gave me an opportunity to do in life what I never would have been able to do without him offering me that opportunity. Right, right. I, it was, I didn't have a, a degree, at, you know, I didn't have the things that I, that, that everybody said, I didn't have the money to get into it myself and everything. So he offered me that opportunity. And I took that company from uh, when I first got there, I think they might've had a, one guy on the practice squad. And, and within the next few years, well, we had first round draft picks and the company was making money and all these things started coming in. So I worked my way up and he always gave me a, he started giving me a salary. Once I learned in this business, when you become worth an amount, people never offer you. Uh, normally people don't come out and offer you what you're worth. Uh, they won't, they, they put you in a position where you have to come forward and say what you're worth and right. give them opportunity to pay you that. Uh, or, uh, or you have to find someone who's willing to pay you what you're worth. And uh, I went through that for a long time. I was just, I was okay being where I, where I was at uh, financially and, and the things I was doing. So uh, it just took a while for me to build up that, that, that mentality that, uh, I can make a difference and, and do things. And it just took me learning the business. 1000%. So now that you're an agent, right? Full-time, full-time, like the position, like agent, agent. Cause I think before you were an agent too, except, except you didn't have the title. Now you're at, right? Exactly. Now you're that. How do you get clients? Is everything word of mouth? Is everything relationships that you've built? People come to you, friends of players, teammates, all the above. How do you get clients? The first player I ever signed on the contract for the actual agent before I did the marketing agency and I, I was an agent, you know, and that way of it. And I dealt with them. I, I did everything the agent did uh, back then except sign the contract. Uh, but, you know, and, and now it's at the point, the first player I ever signed on his contract as the actual agent this year, I uh, was Derek Stingley, the cornerback out of LSU. And he's, which is a big deal, big deal, yeah. right? He's a little something, right? He's a little something, <laughs> all right? So, uh, so his dad was one of the first people I ever spoke to, uh, however, 20 years ago or whatever. Uh, I called him. I'll never forget. I made a phone call to, to Senior and said, hey, uh, man, I want to talk to you. You know, I've got a player. And he was coaching arena football. And he was a GM there. And I wanted to get him to, to sign one of my players. So we talked and had a really good talk. And, and from that date on, uh, he, he, I learned who he was as a person. He really, you know, he learned who I was as a person. There was a level of trust and Derek Stingley was a guy I called and I trusted and I listened to and, and went through life with, you know, in different situations, not just sports. And, uh, and it, you know, told me before, man, I really like this. I like who you are. 
And when it got to the point of his son coming out this year, uh, me and him talked and he said, you're, you're our guy. Uh, you're with the Ballinger group. James Ballinger is a different guy. Business-wise, you're our guy. And I'm like, whoa, like, wait a minute. Like, I'm really going to sign the first one I really put my name on, uh, I think is one of the best players to come out of football in the last 20 years or so. And he's different. Dude, in the draft class board, he's what, number two, right? Number one, number yeah, two? two. And the second one I got was, and it'll, it'll come out now, was DeMarvin Leal. Uh, the defensive lineman out of uh, Texas A&M, who is uh, a, a more incredible person than he is a player. And, uh, you know, I think he'll be a, a all-pro defensive lineman instantly in the NFL because he's just different. Like, DeMarvin's a freak out of A&M, and he's an incredible player. Uh, his mom, the, the interview process and the things that went through talking to her was just incredible family-wise. Uh, it was just an incredible dynamic. And we signed, I tell you this, man, coach, we, we're at a point where I walked out of more meetings this year than I stayed in. And by walk out, I mean, uh, sit down. And if it wasn't the right field, it's not the right family. If there's a hustle there and your interest is more than making sure what's best for your child or your loved one or your cousin or whatever, uh, I don't, that's not something I'm interested in. I'm not, man. I want good people who, who, uh, everybody has the same goal for that player. And it's not football. It's not football. It's football is just a small part of this. Football is what football is what gives him an opportunity to make something for him and his family for, for literally for generations. And that's so cliche. People say generational wealth. Normally, like I said, generational wealth for, for these athletes is how, is how long they draw it out from their financial guy until they end up broke. That's the generation. And then they normally end up broke before they're 50 or so and the house and the car's gone and everything's gone. And this person you saw back home that everybody said, that's that guy. That's that guy. How used to we are them coming back to our hometown and being not that guy anymore. And that's something that in this business that with James Ballinger and Alex Ballinger and the team that we put together, said, man, that's over for us, bro. That's not happening. Like, we're going to make them successful in life. That's so much more important. We're, we, we supply the off-season training and stuff I do, and this ain't a sales pitch on BG. Uh, it's just what I would do for money. What I would do for my 12-year-old or your son coach, if I say, man, well, let's put everything into it to make it matter, to truly. We, we have a sort of my shirt that I had on earlier with make it matter, and, and that's the truth, man. Let's, let's make a difference, bro. I'm only going to sign six or seven guys this year the families of those players, I signed them also. I didn't sign the player. I'm going to sign the family also because I've realized in this business, agents try to divide and separate the player from the family because they don't want to deal with all that. And if they have a great relationship with the player, they don't have to worry about mom and them. I do it. I think I do it backwards. I do it the other way. If I got a relationship, if you're a single mom and your son is going to be a professional athlete, if me and that mama have a great relationship, that son ain't firing his mama. Okay. 100%. So mine and her relationship or me and the dad. And, and we do have families with great you know, relationship. Dwayne Queen is one of the Patrick Queen's dad for the Baltimore Ravens is one of the most stoic, toughest dudes I've ever met in my life. But that's my dog. Like that's my guy. And his mom, Sue, who, who smile and laugh and joke. And she's the sweetest person in the world. And it's a pit bull under that disguise, bro. There's a pit bull under there who's going to do everything possible to make sure her son, Patrick, is protected. 
And man, those are the families that I represent. Patrick Queen is a part of what that family, what they, what they brought up. He's a person, he's got so many parts of both of them. It's incredible. Uh, I love that part of it because I represent Dwayne, I represent Sue, and I represent Patrick. And they're all one. They're all one together. That family is. So, you know, it makes it, you ain't going to fire your mama, bro. All right? No, I know that, no, 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 no. You know, that's normally the truth. Rick, how are you religious? Are you spiritual? You God, universe? How do you view life on that, man? I, I am, man. I, I am. Uh, you know, I, I wake up every morning. Uh, we pray. We go to church. Me and the wife. My wife is, oh, man, she's tough on me. Uh, you know, I do have a... a a language that sometimes I throw things out there that probably shouldn't be. I blame it on the submarines, the Navy for 10 right, years. Right. It's on me, but uh, I know this coach, uh, without God, without the, without the things we have, uh, things don't just happen. Things don't just happen. Now I do believe this brother and man, I might go one way or another on this, but I'm going to tell you this. He gives us the ability, uh, the ability and the, the things are in us to make the right choices and be the person we're supposed to be. Uh, and I tell my players that all the time and my wife and my kids, uh, he doesn't just give, you can't go and pray for a million dollars and he'll make you rich. But what he can do, every one of us has something in us to be special. You have to find that. And once you find what that is, that million dollars is there, but you got to go get it. If you sit in front row of the, uh, of the church every year, you know, every, every Sunday on the pew and, and you're praying for, uh, good health. Uh, good health's not just going to come to you. Gotta, you're going to get on a treadmill. You're going to eat right. You're going to take your vitamins. You're going to do those things. That's not good right. health just coming to you. But it's the same way with money, coach. So many of us sit down and, and we pray to win the lotto or we pray to, to get this or get that. It's in us to do it. But that first step in the morning that you take to go get that is what makes you get that. Uh, the difference in me now and 20 years ago is the experience behind that and those lessons I've learned. And I tell everybody, be a good person, live the right way, and people will help you. People will help you. Nobody wants to help an asshole. But, and, and that's so true. So I try to live the right way. Uh, uh, we do, man. My family's uh, into my son this morning, man. And I couldn't even make this up when you bring it up. This is crazy. My son picks up his backpack to go to school. And I said, money. That backpack's way too heavy, man. Take some stuff out of it and leave it. <laughs> he said, Dad, no, everything in here I need. Some money, there's no way. That backpack weighs like a ton. Like, I'm not going to carry it for you. He said, you don't have to. I'm going to carry it. So he starts to pick it up, and there's huge books in the front of it. And I said, Money, take that book out and leave it. And, he, and Money, Coach, I couldn't even tell you. It's so funny, man, the way you, you bring stuff up. I said, Money, take that book out and leave it. Now, I saw a picture on the front of it. had a picture of a family and stuff on the front of it. I said, Money, leave the book. He said, Dad, I can't leave that one. That's my Bible. That's crazy, huh? What? And Money said, Daddy, that's my Bible. And he had a cover on it that he put on there personally. He had a family, and the family's praying and stuff on the front of it. And he had put, stuck that cover on the front of his, his Bible. And it was in his backpack. And, the, man, when I tell you big, like it was, I mean, I'm sitting there looking. I'm thinking, why does he have this huge book? Money would have left his, a school book behind before he left that Bible because he said, when I go to break at school, I read my Bible, Daddy. And I'm wow. <laughs> so hey, I thought I, I then I wanted to carry the backpack to school for him, coach. <laughs> I felt bad then. I'm like, let me pick up the backpack. All right. Oh man. All right. So let's talk about this. How how do you put you can't draw this up any better? So I start 
my life. Let me go quicker here so so I don't I don't take that long with you. Biggest failure, I in Miami. Baseball doesn't pan out at all. I understand that I have some specialness to me, but I can't figure it out. I have identity issues because I want to impress people versus I've never been a hater. I've always been a positive dude, but I want to impress people, Rick, because I didn't matter. I didn't have a cool car. I didn't have cool clothes. I had a look, but my dad was just beating the shit out of me and I had nowhere to go. I had no freedom. I had nothing, man. So I go, you know what? The first opportunity you get, I'm going to get out of here. J-Lo's doing a TV show on the beach. I get casted in it. I go, you know what? I'm going to move to Los Angeles and act. You said you lived in a car. I lived in a car when I was 25 years old for six months in the Hollywood Hills. I didn't know a single person. I went that route. I would shower and shave and sneak into the Equinox in West Hollywood there, up Sunset Plaza, and I did that, right? As I did that, Six years that led me to become a, a celebrity baseball coach in Los Angeles. Ironically, the sport that abused me saved me over there. And I did that. And I realized how good I was to being honest with people, with their kids and connecting them. But that wasn't my passion. And social media hadn't hit yet. YouTube, there was none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I decided to move to a little town called Las Vegas. And when I moved to Vegas, I started off as a promoter in a club called Hyde and the Bellagio. And then I worked my way up to becoming director of customer development. And my job was I got a PhD in how to deal with people. Now I'm a guy that ironically has never drank before, has never done drugs, but I'm in a nightclub. I'm, I'm a walking anomaly because I'm tatted, I'm bald, I have a rough look, but I've never got in a fight in my life. I'm a lover, not a fighter, you know? And when I moved to, back to Miami, you said you met your wife while you were getting a hotel a room, room hotel room for a for a player. I met my wife when I was in high school. I saw her. I was the hottest one I've ever seen in my life. Never spoke to her because I had nothing going on. I just saw her. And she kind of smiled like, wow, man, this girl's gorgeous. Right before I moved to Vegas, I am here in Miami. I connect with her on Facebook. I shoot her a... I had a lot of success in the Facebook department DMing girl. The DM wasn't around <laughs> at the time. I'm Come on, coach. A lot of people hit me up because they got a little popular in Los Angeles. I was taking them all down. I was doing anything. And <laughs> Facebook used to have a thing that says, you know somebody. You think you know somebody. You might know this oh, person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And her face popped up, and we're the same age. And I was like, and just like you, man, I was in the business of dating women a whole lot younger than I was, bro. Oh, yeah. And... When I saw her, I go, wow, this girl still holds up. And she was super cool. And I reached out to her. And we went out, Rick. And the first date that I was with her, it was like, even though she's super sexy, super gorgeous, it was all like, I felt family. I felt this affection that I had never felt before in my life, man. And best first date of my life. She completely broke my mind. I'm living in Los Angeles. I go, I'm not going to change my whole... I didn't move to Vegas. I'm not going to change my whole life for a girl here in Miami. She was taking care of her grandparents. It was just the worst. So I go, I'm not doing this. But four years later, I throw her best friend's bachelorette party. We connect. I fall in love instantly. I set the record for most flights, red-eye flights from probably Vegas to Miami, back and forth for like four months, Rick. And... 
I go, what am I going to do? I go, I'm here. I was so successful in Vegas. And I felt the man upstairs talking to me and going to me, the legend's not going to die in a Vegas nightclub. That wow. You're going to do more. You, I felt that, right? So I come back to Miami. I can't work in a nightclub with this girl because I know it's not going to work out. I know the element of it's not going to be good. So I start doing this whole baseball thing. And I start giving lessons. And I start working with real young kids. And I get the idea to do YouTube, to do the Instagram. And that puts me in a whole different place, right? Became the first influencer to sign with Rawlings. Get a deal with New Balance, stuff like that. So I have all this going for me. And this year, because how it works is my business is very fickle. It's almost like you two get established. You yep. make money, then you wait. Then you make money and you wait and you make money wait. And my wife does very well, man. She makes well over six figures a year. Mm -hmm. She does real well. So when I come this year after the COVID year, I go, okay. I go, what am I going to do? And I'd always spoken to her about it. I go, listen, at the time I go, I got a truck. I go, people with that, that do Lyft or Uber do real well. You make your own hours, you do your thing and it'll be temporary, you know? And immediately, she's like, yeah, but what if people see you? What if people see you doing that? Are they going to think less of you? Are they going to do all these things, you know? And I thought about it. And I go, at the beginning, I go, listen, nobody's going to know unless I know somebody, right? And it is what it is. You know, and I started doing it, Rick. And I started probably, before I met you, I probably started doing it two months before. So I think it was like spring break. Oh, wow. So like March yeah. something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it was for me amazing. Right. So, and I was doing it. I couldn't find myself because most, most Uber Lyft people, they just put on their headphones, headsets, or they're in their own world and that's it, you know, but I couldn't stop myself from just yeah. talking to people yeah, and talking to people and encouraging and talking to people and talking to people and encouraging and talking to people and encouraging. Right. Yeah. So September 2nd, on a Thursday morning, when I pick up two dudes at the, J at the JW Marriott. <laughs> Come on, bro. Come right? on. And I sit there with already having a super successful podcast, with yep. already having, because you got to understand, man, Miami's super different. Miami's the place where it's, what you have, you get measured on that. It's what you what you drive, what you do, where you live. And I always felt, man, when I decided to become Coach HP, I said, Rick, I said, the man upstairs is going to take care of me, regardless of where I end up. I go, I got to do this. I got to help people. But if I'm driving, he's going to make things happen for a reason, right? Bruh, and when I got you in the car, Lear's the irony of life big time. I had no idea that A, I had one of the best agents in football in the car. And then B, I had the father of probably the best <laughs> player in the 2022-21 draft in the NFL in my car, right? But what I tell people is I want to get your opinion on this. I have a thing about me that because nobody when I was young and nobody took interest in me and in anything because people, my dad was just so overbearing 
that nobody wanted to deal with him. So nobody gave me any kind of love, right? Yeah. And when I was living in a car, much less. And then in Vegas, much less, right? So I figured, I said, I'm going to become this Coach HP guy. And the reason why I won in Vegas, Rick, is because I put everybody in front of me. I made yeah. everybody Man. feel good, you know? Come on. Come on, So, so when, I, when, I, when I had you in, in the car, I go to myself, man, these dudes are going somewhere. I, I'm going to talk to them, see where they're from, so, and just make the drive and the experience as much as possible. And talk about not knowing who anybody is, right? That, to me, has shaped me to, when I talk to kids that are in their 20s and they're struggling to what to do, I go, man, if you find yourself willing to do something that you're so passionate about, that you're willing to drive, freaking lift, right? To four in the morning, three in the morning, and not care what people think. You can think I'm cool. Man, you can turn off the podcast, not turn on. If you can find that passion, that drive, you'll be the happiest man. person in the world. Bro, I'm going to tell you, context and life and the way things happen are incredible. The way me and Sting met, the way me and my wife met, uh, the way that you know things happen. We got into the car that day. I remember Sting hit me up. Uh, we were going to go look at something. He's in town. I was in town. Uh, and it was funny because we get into the truck and uh, we're riding. We're thinking, we're, you know, we're just talking stuff. And we've been boys for a long time, man, and really know each other. And here's this driver in there who looks like, you know, he, he looks like a tough, rugged dude, man, who's, uh, you started talking to us and instantly, I'm gonna tell you this, bro, and I'm not saying it because, you know, in, in, the positive energy that comes from you, that comes from you, uh, I live for it. Like, I live for it, man. I tell I tell my wife, I tell the family, I tell my son, my wife, everybody, I tell them I don't do negative. I don't do negative. Like, I don't, man. And, and before I do negative, man, I got to get away from it. Like, I got to go because I can't deal with that. Uh, so much positive energy came that day. And the way you talked and the person you were and the things you were going, I'm like, damn, like this guy's different. Like, hold up, man. They always say, don't judge a book by its cover. For one, you look like a, a, you know, like a pro fighter or something that's sitting in there. So I'm like, man, this guy's tough. Then you start, you know, you talk about sports and podcasts, and this other stuff or things doing. And I, I instantly look you up while we're in the truck. I look you up and I realize your followers and stuff just like kick my, kick my ass on social media and everything. I'm like, Man, this dude really is like this. And the energy, me and Steen talked about you later. And uh, me and Steen talked about you later. And we were like, wow, like you just get a feel for people. And there's certain people that bring that across. I'm 54 years old. And I don't deal with, like, I don't, I don't have people in my circle that, that drain on you or whatever. Either I got to fix it or you got to go. I'm one of the two. And that positive energy you had was just a different level, bro. Like a different level. Uh, I felt like there was something there and, and that connection. I was like, man, this dude's legit. And I, <laughs> it came out that way, man. Every time that we've communicated or something since then or text each other, whatever, me and Sting laugh because, you know, you just, you fit, man. You fit, bro. So I was like, it's different. Dude, I appreciate that, man. You didn't know you had the most positive person on the internet driving you around that day, bro. bro. I didn't know that's what it was. <laughs> I told him when I got back home, I told my wife, I was like, man, I met somebody that uh, that that make it matter. I met somebody who makes it matter, who makes a difference. And uh, man, we're not in this life for that long. We never know how long we're here. Uh, but but we're going to leave a mark on it when we leave. 
Uh, I promise you that. You know, my mm-hmm. son, money's going to look back at it and say, uh, Dad approached things the right way. You know, he attacked things the right, right way every uh, the right way every day, and and hopefully he takes that on both of my son that they take that on in their lives afterwards too. And the players, man, for me, uh, the biggest thing is uh, I've got a, a platform. I've got a group of guys that's different than almost anyone could ever have their hand on. Uh, I've got young minority uh, athletes who's going to have millions of dollars. Uh, in their hands that's who I've been around my whole life I grew up in that that group those guys uh that's who I was around and uh the guys that I knew earlier they didn't that wasn't what they had and, and a lot of them's been they've done well and they've done things and I got to tell you about the first person I ever met in the military and just weird how things happen but uh the Patrick Queens the Travis Etienne's the Derek Stingley's the Marvin Leal's the Neville Gallimore's uh, all these guys I'm around, man, if you put them in a room and you're still and you pull one out, they're all the, like, they all have that positive energy, great guys, hard workers. They're going to be successful in life after football uh, because of the families around them, but, but also the family that their family lets in. And that's, man, it, it makes, I'm going to, these guys long after I'm gone, Patrick Queen's going to tell his kids and his grandkids about the agent, about the agency, about the people who helped him in life be successful. I mean, that's just what we have to do, bro. Like we have that platform and why do it any other way? A thousand percent, dude. Uh, I I can't agree with you more. When when I got in the Navy, I I walked on a submarine in 1987. I walked on the USS Topeka uh, into a building on a pre-com unit of a submarine I'm from uh, Crystal Springs, Mississippi, a town of, I don't know, 1,500 people or so. Uh, it's probably 50-50 on white, black, white. Uh, back in the day, one side of the town was white, the other side was black. Uh, there was a job court center in our town and outside court that we played on sometimes. And and they would walk through there to come to the basketball court to play and stuff in that part of town. And I know people looked at it funny, but if you looked out there on uh, any day of the week and and if I was on the outside court, Rick was out there playing and it was one white kid out there normally. It was me or one of my best friends, Greg Reed, Nick Brooke. We were all out there hooping, uh, but, I, but I was out there 24-7. Uh, when I got to the submarines in 1987, I get on board and they tell me to go interview with, uh, it was a petty officer first class, Ron, Ronald Martin, they tell me to go meet with. And I walk in and Ron, he lives in Melbourne now. Ron's my guy. Uh, tells me, shut the door. And I shut the door. And this the largest brother I've seen in my life stands up. He says, have a seat. And I sit down and he said, you're from Mississippi, huh? And man, when he said that, you know, I instantly froze like, oh my God. Like, I know where this is going. Right. Uh, I, wait a minute. And he tells me, he says, okay. And he said, uh, I'm going to pick you up this evening. Uh, be ready about 6 p.m. I'm going to pick you up, take you to dinner, uh, meet my family, and just spend a little time with you. And I was a brand-new guy on the submarine. I mean, newest guy, lowest-ranked guy, everything. So I'm thinking, man, this guy is like – I mean, we didn't even have word. We didn't even get to know each other during that conversation. Like, what is really up? He brought me to his house, uh, met his wife, his family. Uh, we sat there. We, we had dinner together. We ate. We chilled out. We talked. We got to know each other. Uh, we went to sleep on the couch watching a football or basketball game. I forgot what it was. My basketball is like December, January. Uh, we fall asleep on the couch and together, like sitting on the couch watching sports and fall wow. asleep together. Uh, we talked all night and uh, woke up the next morning, you know, had to go back to the barracks, get ready for work and go through things. Uh, that was 1987. Uh, 
he's my best friend today. No uh, way, like, oh, there's not a, a not we talk almost every day. Uh, he's my best friend to this day, and and he was the best man in my wedding. Uh, that was my guy. Like that's my heart. That's my dude. And and it's been that way forever. And it's funny how relationships like that are made. Uh, they, you know, they, they, it's just one of those things, man. You, in life, people meet for a reason, man. Dude, 1000%, bro. We've been on this. I could talk to you all day, man. Listen, I am so grateful that you're the dude doing what you're doing, man. I think I could not find a better person right now to lead the charge of what you're doing, Rick, what you're doing on the field, off the field. I think to me, it's, it's just special on special, man. And I'm, and I mean, that. I really mean that before I let you go, what can I do for you, man? Anything I can help you with anything? Coach is really not, man. The Ballinger group is our sports agency. Uh, every year I'm signing six to eight people. Probably I'm picking the right ones. I, like I said, this year, I probably had 20 meetings or so that we've met, talked to people and it wasn't the right fit. I'm probably signing six to eight guys uh, every year who are, not only great people, but great players. Uh, we will sign more in the future. I've hired uh, I hired people to work for me at the best at what they do, not the best at what I do. Okay, I don't need another person best at what I do. Uh, Chris Doyle is my dog. My that's my guy. He looks like you. Uh, you and him would I mean, you would think y'all were brothers, and that's my <laughs> hard in what he does. I'm taking care of my guys, but I made it so it's different. Real quick, I hired an agent away from an agency that's been there 25 years. That's the second guy. And I always knew he was supposed to be the first guy. I've known him for 21 years. And I told him, you're supposed to be the first guy. He was at the only agency to ever sign three first-round draft picks, coach. I pulled him away there after 25 years to come to work for me at a brand-new agency at Ballingy, that this will be our third year. For him to be that quarterback, stick him in the office, him to be that guy that's my that's my guy. I hired a guy from the NFL PA, looked over every contract in the NFL to make sure they were good. Nice. I hired him. Yeah, to come look over my contract so my guys are protected, bro. Like I put a I team, love it. I put a team together of positive ass people who are good people who are the best at what they do. Martin Fishman is the best attorney I've ever met in my life, and he's my CBA guy. Stan Wilkes is a people person. Like the people we hired, coach. When you go into Ballinger Group and pull it up and Google it and look through it, and I want you to check it out because we're gonna bring you in, spend some time with you, and let you sit in the office so everybody can get some of that positive energy oh, from you. Listen, I was going to say it after. The, uh, this is well, this is what I'm going to do. And you, it's up to you going to say yes or no. So this is what I want to do. Anything, I'll say it on the air, so that way it's official. Any help I could be at any time for free, I'm going to go there and help you guys, okay? <laughs> I uh, I was just in a – I go to Grapevine a lot. Oh, man. We, and we I think right, that, that's real I, close to you, right? I yep. want to introduce you to, I got to introduce you to my buddy who, uh, who runs the Grapevine Parks and Rec. You're okay. going to love him. Matt Mitchell, great dude. I'm going to put you guys in together. He, wow. is, he is the guy there, so we're going to do that. I, I want to, I'm going to be involved. I'm going to be involved and I'm going to be there. Any, anything huge. I can do, I'm, I'm going to be involved, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop the recording now because I got my wife calling me. You're not leaving. Stay right there. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Don't leave. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. shopify.com slash work.